If you like this podcast, check out Studio Red's amazing lineup of podcasts at StudioRedMedia.com. Today's episode of QG with RT was recorded a couple months ago, and there might be some dated references. But other than that, it's a fantastic episode. Enjoy. Welcome to QT with RT. I'm Ryan. I'm Todd. In today's episode, we talk about the power of good storytelling. Spoiler alert. Lots of spoilers. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the storyline of Red Dead. Mm-hmm. About... Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about Daredevil. Season 3. Season 3. Uh-huh. And final spoiler alert, Ryan's dad died. Or Grandpa died. <laughs> Grandpa died. Dad is healthy. Roger is Roger is good. Papa <laughs> passed away. R.I.P. Papa will miss his hot chocolate. That's right. That's and right. him as a person. <laughs> yes. And him as a person. Yes. Uh, okay. So let's hear. Where do we want to start? Uh, what we were talking about. Well, you haven't finished Red Dead yet. I haven't. So, yeah, you have. You finished I, it all. I did. It came out a few months ago, depending on when you re- hear this. Yeah. Um, and um, what we were both talking about, just our feelings and thoughts about uh, how well it was put together. Yes. You and I, we both have played the first one, the story of John, John Marston, and um, he is hunting down his original gang. Red Dead Redemption 2 is all about Arthur Morgan, but it is about the gang that John was a part of. Yeah, and John's in the game. Yes. And there is definitely, like, it starts out, they did something at Blackwater, which is a town in this world, and things have kind of gone south, and everyone's kind of freaking out. Um, John is wounded. He's... You know, you have to go find him. It almost feels like John's not going to be in the game at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Like, well, you, you open up and you're like... Because really, even in the, like, trailers and leading up, really in you never much. even saw it. Yeah, that's true. You but then he's yeah. a huge part of the game. He is a huge part of the game. And um, I think what... Um, I mean, in general, I think both of us are, like, extremely impressed by yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, I even read an article, uh, and it was... It was, like, somebody legit. I think, like, Hollywood Reporter, like, New York Times. You know, it wasn't, like, some random... Forbes. Forbes. Yeah. Well, but they were talking about how um, they... uh, Has video games finally taken the place as, like, the epic center of, like, narrative storytelling? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because it's, like, you know, with with books, you read it, Mm -hmm. but then came along movies, and it was, like, the combination of, like, the visuals... With the like, with like theater, with um, you know, even to a certain degree, like books, like where it's like you know, it's still a play, it's still a written text, you know, it's like all this combination of like all of art, you know, photography, yeah, lighting, acting, you know, uh, wardrobe, you know, it's like all this like combination of like the arts put together. Yeah. But uh, they're like, but then now with video games, it takes it one step further in the fact that you are the character, yeah. And you're living that person's story versus, um, you know, just watching their story. Yeah. No. Um, and they're like, you know, initially video games like Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda, you know, even like Mario to Zelda, like that was a big jump in story. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and games have gotten better and better and better. But they're like, with Red Dead, they felt like finally it was like as, you know, better than the yeah. best movies. Yeah. Um, and I would, I mean, I feel like it's, that's right on yeah i mean it was so i mean the first like you hop in that game and yeah. like you're immediately in the middle of the story like you're talking about they robbed some boat like you said spoiler alerts mm-hmm. but they robbed this boat in blackwater which is like almost like a small little port town yeah in this um, in this game and uh and you're escaping in the middle of a snowstorm and yeah. you're trying to find somewhere to go and it's like man you're like they just like throw oh, you right in the middle of it. So epic. I mean, and it, it's, so it's almost like if you started a game, which they have. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, uh, one of the uh, 1941 or 1945 games, uh, but where you like start on D Day, almost yeah. like Saving Private Ryan, starting with D Day. Like, yeah. What it felt like. Yeah. Because you're like right in the middle, like immediately in the middle of it. You know, it's like your gang looks like they're all about ready to die. Yeah. They're all like freezing. Yeah. People are missing. You got to track them all down. 
then you finally get out of all that snowstorm mountains and you're in this like beautiful plains area. Yeah, when you come down with your wagon train, like the sound, it like that was always the thing everyone always said, like it's so immersive, so immersive. But holy cow, like I just was like, you're seeing bunnies, you know, like rabbits yeah. run across, the, you're yeah. hearing birds chirp and yep. just every aspect of it, it's just yeah. so great. And the graphics are incredible. Yeah, they are. The camp life, everything's happening. Like you could be running in, grabbing something from your tent and leaving and you're hearing a conversation at the fireplace or you're hearing conversation and it's not like cussing, cussing, cussing. It's everything's happening always. Yeah. Well, and even the cutscenes that happen, that was the other interesting thing from the very beginning. It's like you see this like cutscene where it's in like the widescreen with the bars on top and then all of a sudden the bars like go away. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're just playing. And it's still the exact same graphics. It's still the exact same thing. And I was like, wait, is the cutscene over? <laughs> Am I supposed to play now? And then I started moving the guy, you know, moving Arthur Morgan, the main character. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like that was, the cutscene was the in-game footage, you know? And then, uh, and they have stuff like that throughout the whole thing where, yeah. you know. Um, and I think like what you're saying, after one of the, one of the missions you go and rescue John, you're constantly rescuing. Yeah. No, 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 you don't rescue John. Sorry, you're rescuing um, the Irish guy. Sean. Sean, yeah, yeah. So you go and rescue Sean. He, he got captured from the Blackwater yeah. uh, heist that didn't go well. And so you go and rescue him, and you bring him back, and there's like this big party mm -hmm. at your uh, at your camp with all your other gang members. And they have like free food out and free drinks, and yeah. everybody's sitting around, and they're like singing songs and like telling stories. And I like sat and listened to like one of the older guys tell this story about him and down in Mexico. And then we all sang this song together, this like Irish, like kind of ditty song. And then I went over and hung out with like the gang leader, and he talked. And I was like, "What is going on?" You know? <laughs> yeah. And then at one point, um, uh, John Marston, who's like Todd mentioned, is like the leader of or is the, is the main character in the next game. Um, and in that game, you go down and you hunt down all these, all the former gang members because the the, the bad guys, which are technically the good guys, the lawmen, mm -hmm. are one, have your son and wife and won't give them back to you unless you hunt down your gang members. So one of the first people you go and hunt down, uh, that gang member, John, was sitting at the table talking to him, and they're both drunk. Yeah. And they're... And Bill... Bill, yeah, and Bill is telling John why Bill doesn't like him, mm. and John, and but they're like the almost like two drunk guys where like they're being really open and honest, but neither one of them are getting offended about it. Yeah, and so uh, John's just constantly like, "Bill, you're a funny guy," and then Bill's like, "I don't like you. Most people don't in camp because because the like the gang boss, the yeah. leader of the gang, likes Dutch. John. Yeah. Dutch, yeah, Dutch likes John more. Yeah." Than everybody else and it's kind of like almost like he's like we all call you his pet kind yeah. of like a dog you know and i'm like oh man and so then later in red dead redemption john goes and that's the first thing you do is you try to go and kill bill yeah or bring bill in and he shoots you yeah and you're almost mortally wounded <laughs> yeah. uh, and this lady from a ranch rescue like revives you yeah. and i'm like oh my god that explains the whole first mission yeah by this random little <laughs> side story that like some people might not even know i'm amazed at how much work they put in uh to tell this story and have all this content that half the people are only going to experience like 25 percent of it oh, i want you to finish it because i want to talk about like the kind of final scenes they have like an epilogue but like the end of chapter six is you know yeah the it's end. the end yeah um but uh there are lines that arthur says earlier on in the game like in chapter like two i think or something that like end up happening at the very end oh interesting like just like little lines um i think he said or i don't i don't want to give it away but like we can talk about it when you've yeah. actually finished it but um it's just little things like that where it's like holy cow like he's destined from the beginning to die yeah like that is just like because yeah. he's, I mean, TV, there's no way you can get past right. it. But, like, you're hoping. I think that's the whole thing is from the very beginning, you're hoping that he gets out. Yeah. You know, you know Dutch is a liar because we played the first Red yeah. Dead, you know. Yeah. But Which, like, at the very end, Dutch is, like, the final bad guy. Yeah. 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 And, and, and how Dutch dies in Red Dead, I think, is very... 
interesting for the whole story, knowing Dutch. Like, he's so, like, optimistic. And he's so, like, stay with me. Like, we got to We're going to go to, you know, Fiji. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. go to Australia and all that stuff. And then, because I, I went back and watched the video again. And he's standing on the edge. He's not wearing his fancy, you know. Uh, like he always has, like, he always looks good. He always has a suit. But yeah. at the end, he's wearing, like, this, like, old nasty shirt. He's standing there. He has nothing. And he just looks at John. And he's just like, when I'm gone. They'll just find another monster. They have to. Because they have to justify their wages. That's their business. Our time has passed. John. He was running and he was trying, and it's like at the end, he's just hopeless and he yeah. just accepts it. Yeah. And then he falls off a cliff. And it's just like this really cool scene where it's just like he doesn't even like have John shoot him. He doesn't, he just goes out on his own terms. The whole last Red Dead was all about you as John trying to wrangle up all your gang members who you don't even really want to be involved with at all anymore. Yeah. But they're forcing you to, the lawmen are forcing you to because you're the only one that's going to be able to get close enough to him, and they're holding your son yeah. and wife hostage. Yeah. So it's like you, it looks like John's this great husband and this great dad who's willing to like kill his friends to save his family. But in the beginning of Red Dead Redemption, you find out that the current one with Arthur Morgan, you find out that John denied that the kid was his kid, <laughs> yeah. that he left them for a year yeah. because he didn't want like the responsibility. Yeah. Him and his wife are constantly fighting. He never wants to do anything with his son. Yeah. He's slowly taking responsibility for them now in the game, mm -hmm. where I'm at in the game now. Yeah. But that's been, you know, five it's you know, six chapters of Arthur's story and I'm in the sixth chapter and John's right. finally taking responsibility. Well, At this and point, also because like, Arthur's kinda like you need to. Yeah, and Arthur has been more of a dad to the little kid, Jack, Jack than yeah. John has. Yeah. Uh, Arthur has done stuff for uh, 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 Marston's wife. Abigail. Abigail, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like, it's just interesting. Is like, Arthur is actually taking care of John's family more than John has. Right. Uh, but, and so then I'm like, oh, man, this is, like, totally changed. But in a weird, it doesn't make me actually, like, think less of John because it just changes it to where now all of a sudden instead of this, like, ideal father right husband he's flawed and Very he flawed. and instead it's like you see him as the the father husband who's like trying to finally do it right right and it's like he's finally choosing his family over yeah. his friends <laughs> you know yeah as opposed to continually yeah. ignoring what his wife and son need and right. i think like that's like really fascinating it's like it has it doesn't like make me like john less yeah but it makes me like john in a different way yes well, I guess old Dutch got all the smoke he wants. Let's hope so. You really think that that'll draw attention away from us? I guess we'll see. Tell the truth, I ain't even sure I fully understand Dutch's plan with all this. Like I said, John, when the time comes, you go. What about loyalty to... To everything. You've been loyal. I've been loyal. Look what that cost. You know all that ever mattered to me was loyalty. It's all I knew. It's all I ever believed in. Well, not anymore, John. Soon, you gotta go. Go. But don't look back. I feel like if you're going to make a prequel, it's like use this as your like template or your like bullseye to aim for. It really is like an act of love. You yeah. know, so you just, they always talked about Red Dead, like GTA was their blockbuster and Red Dead is their Oscar, you know, yeah. their Academy movie. Yeah. So they really put in a lot of time and effort. And I mean, they talked about making a third one. So, I mean. I wonder which direction they would go. I mean, they would have to. I mean, I could see them going even farther back. I mean, even like really, really western. But I think because the problem and maybe playing like Dutch. Yeah, yeah, maybe like like early on, or um, I mean, really, they, they there's a lot of different possibilities. I mean, as far as staying in that storyline, I feel like you would have to either 
because I mean, and eventually, spoiler, spoiler alert. In Red Dead One, if you guys haven't played that, you know, John Marston eventually actually ends up getting killed. Yeah. And then you play as his son if you want to like keep playing the game. Yeah. Which I hated his son in the game. Yeah. Uh, not that he was like a bad character, but like just the way that they like the he was annoying. He, was annoying. he yeah. had an annoying voice, and the way they animated him, like or his model, his three D model, just yeah. looked. Or the Order of the Phoenix, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, this was like, meh. Just and, like, I hate everyone. Yeah, he's just kind of whiny. Yeah. Um, but uh, the little uh, Jack, that, which is John's son, is in Red Dead 2 mm-hmm. as a little kid. He's yeah. like six, seven years old. Oh, uh, he's young. He's like three. I felt like he was like five, maybe. Maybe five. Yeah, yeah I don't five. think he's three, but maybe five. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's an elementary school yeah. age kid. And, um, and you get to interact with him. And I actually like really like that little yeah. kid now i just do yep. and you know to where now like the idea of playing jack later it's like oh like once again you know this prequel makes me like the original game yeah. so much better and it makes me like those characters so much better mm-hmm. and it makes all the decisions that john makes so much more meaningful and impactful and even like sad yeah you know like even like killing bill at the very beginning mm-hmm. you know even the way that like bill bill's stuck in this fort and the only way to get in there is with that wagon that has like the cannon on the back. Yeah, yeah. And you gotta blow the, the door gun, open. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that fort is actually in the game. Yeah. And the current in the new one, which is nuts, as an actual fort, and then it's abandoned. Yeah. In the game that we play, <laughs> but uh, or in Red Dead One, but uh, that's even like a Bill style way of doing things. Yeah. Like as you go on missions with Bill as Arthur Morgan, you realize like that's his style. He even rides a bigger horse than yeah. everybody else. Yeah. So it's like the this like bigger than life sort of personality. Yeah. Like would make sense that he would then like hold up inside this fort. Yeah. And the only way to bust in there is with like a cannon. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's just, but like then killing him is like really sad because even though like Bill is a you know he's not like an annoying character yeah. in the game, but it's but like, he's he yeah he's not Micah. Like, yeah. the thing with Bill is I think he just wanted to be, like, seen and known. Yeah, to a certain degree, he just wanted to be loved. Yeah, he really yeah, did. And he wanted Arthur, he wanted all the, he wanted, like, the position in the gang that Arthur has. Yeah. Where people respect him and love him um, and, like, see him for what he is, you know. Um, and then he feels like John doesn't deserve that spot, which he doesn't, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree with him. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, uh, you know, and so he's feels like he's overlooked by Dutch. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the, the, you know, the dog that everybody kicks on the way out the yeah. door. He's, you know, he's like so, the second child, second born child, middle child. You yeah. Know? And so then the fact that then, you know, then he he has left and gone and made his own gang and is held up in this fort, and mm-hmm. then John Marston shows up and kills him. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, that's sad. That's you know, that's like really sad for Bill. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, yeah, I just I would think about all these other prequels that have come out, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars, even Star Trek, you know, like especially Star Wars. I mean, like the prequels that everybody loves to hate on, they hate on them for a good reason because yeah. they didn't do this with the yeah. movies. They didn't add these layers of complexity. Nothing about Anakin and the prequels makes me feel differently about Darth Vader in the original movies. Right. You know, or nothing about Yoda in the prequels makes me feel differently about Yoda in the original movies. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the that's the opportunity there. If you are going to do a prequel, then like retell your original story. Yeah. By sharing with us the the earlier stories. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the prequels with Star Wars, it was the wink and the like nod, like you remember these characters. Yeah, exactly. Purely nostalgia driven. There's no meat to that. Yeah. Whereas Red Dead, like, you are seeing these characters yeah. being created. And yeah. they're not the same as what they are because you are with them throughout the game and you see their character yeah. progression yeah. in real time, which yeah. is they could have done that with Yeah, and I think I mean you know when we think about um our documentary um some of the people i showed it to before like taking it to film festivals and it's still rough drafts uh one person said we had a we had a draft as you know originally where drew was talking about um in our documentary running at fullspeed.com uh a friend of ours drew burnett ran the appalachian trail to try to break the speed record to raise 100 grand for an orphanage that him his wife and son went and moved over and worked at after he got done um and Part of his story, initially with the documentary, we started with him going where his father-in-law died mm. while running, uh, if you remember from yeah. that. And um, and he found out while he was at a casino 
gambling with money that his wife didn't know about when he was supposed to be working um, at a Chick-fil-A grand opening two hours away from where the casino was. And he like basically had left for on his days off and was down there gambling. And he couldn't answer the call because he was on, at the poker table and his wife would hear yeah. and know that he had been lying to her. And so he had to like let it go to voicemail and go out to the parking lot to like answer the call that his that her father stepdad but his father-in-law yeah, yeah. that he was really close to had passed away uh and so i was like man that's a big part of his story yeah so i wanted to put it in there but then as people watched it everybody was like wow that's a really big downer at the beginning of the movie and you don't really ever come back to his like gambling addiction right. or like the father-in-law and you really just like you just like bring all that up and then like don't do anything yeah with it. and it wasn't until uh, Lindsay, one of our friends, watched it, and she said, that is important to his story or his testimony as a whole, but it's not important to this story. Mm, yeah. And I think that's what Red Dead Redemption does really good, If you, especially if you even look at, like, John Marston. Um, both things, what the character development that happens to him in Red Dead 2 and Red Dead 1 are both equally important. Yeah. But the story of red dead one and the story of red dead two for john as a character yeah. are two separate stories right he's not the main character. a part of yeah. well but i mean even if he was the main character it's two separate stories a part of his overall life story right you know but like the character de- there is character development in red dead one and john marston right but there's also character development in red dead two and john marston yeah and they're not the same character development yeah and they're like two separate stories a part of like the same story of a person's life yeah um, and I think that's where some of these other ones kind of failed at mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's like you see the John that you meet at the beginning of Red Dead 2. We now know how he became that guy right there at that point yeah. because we've played or sorry in Red Dead 1 because we've played Red Dead 2. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's how John became that John. But then by the end, the one that ends up getting shot by the lawman, that's a different John. <laughs> Than the one that we met at the beginning of the game, and definitely different than the one that we met at the beginning of Red Dead Two. Yeah, you know, and I feel like that's what's really, really cool. You know, and it's like you don't really have that. Even like take Obi Wan, mm-hmm. who's like plays a big part in the first movie in the original Star Wars, and then plays obviously a huge part in the prequels. You really don't like the Obi Wan that we meet in the desert, who's like not sure if he should old go Ben. To, you know, old Ben. We don't really ever understand. We don't see the character. We understand how he got to Tatooine, yeah, and why he's there, yeah. But we don't really understand like how he became Old Ben yeah. versus Master Kenobi, yeah, General Kenobi. <laughs> you know, it's like how did that guy, yeah, become Old Ben, yeah. You know, um, and that's something that you really don't see. Yeah, it's more just like almost like oh, we need him to be on Tatooine, so he's like, I'm gonna drop him off. I'm gonna drop Luke off with his aunt, uncle, yeah, and I'm gonna go. And chill in this cave nearby, yeah, and watch over him from a distance, right? And then Yoda's like, "Oh, and by the way, I can teach you how to become a ghost when you die, so you could work on that while you're just chilling there." <laughs> and it's like that's not a very good, you know, as opposed to like John, yeah, who is like kind of a bad bandit, yeah, you know, gets attacked by wolves, uh, you know, it's like come on, constant saving, He's you know, yeah, saving. yeah, constantly need to get saved, mm-hmm. a sucky dad, sucky <laughs> husband. Not a very good, yeah. like, bad guy. I mean, Arthur even says that, like, all the time. He's like, you're worthless. <laughs> yeah. And then, in the end, then you then see him, I'm sure, run off with his family. Yeah. Uh, you know, and take, you know, become, you know, kind of try to break away from the gang. And then, like, that's then how we meet the Arthur there. Mm-hmm. And even to a certain degree, it even sort of makes sense then why, when you play the first one, you have to learn how to shoot guns and do things, and, yeah. you know, because it's like, not that he sucks, but he's not, yeah. he's not the best gang member in the gang. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just, anytime, I don't know, I was like, if we ever had the chance to do a prequel of anything, it's like, that's that would be the goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'll use that as an example. Changing topics to then Marvel. Right. Uh, and Daredevil. Which, by the time we have recorded this, it has been canceled by Netflix, unfortunately. Yep, yep, unfortunately. But season one, two, season one and three are both very good. (laughs) Yes, season two was good while Punisher was in it. Yeah, the first half of season two. I actually thought the relationship with him and Elektra was interesting, but the problem was they've been building the relationship with him and Karen so much 
that then in season three, that would probably be my only like complaint yeah. with season three is that like I'm like if Karen knew how you really felt about Electra, yeah, she would have stopped paying your apartment bills when she thought you were still alive, but you were acting dead. <laughs> She did it as a friend, right? Yeah, sure she did. <laughs> Put all his mail neatly together and yeah. smelled all his clothes, I think, or something. <laughs> yeah. Girl, friends that are girls, they do that all yeah. the time. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got done watching. You had watched it when it first came out as you were waiting for Red mm-hmm. Dead to yeah. come out. Um, I did not. Uh, and then I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago around Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh, man, that show is so good. So good. Oh, so good. Like, uh, to me, like, that's the kind of, like, I would love to be able to say that I made something like that. Yeah. You know, like, when I think about content that I want to make, it's like, and that that has to be a Marvel character or a superhero character, Mm -hmm. but, like, that just, like, the masterful storytelling. Yeah. You know, I mean, and especially once you get into, like, the middle of that season, it's just, like, it's just, everybody is just, like, killing it. Yeah. All the actors did an amazing job, even the, like, side random characters that, like, have no like big ass like even the lawyer for fin for fisk uh his lawyer was like amazing mm-hmm. and he's just like the random lawyer um like the random girl that's at the computer at fisk's secret lab is like amazing yeah uh even the random like rival prison mate yeah is like killer good and he's in one scene fbi agent it's great yeah fbi agents are great i mean it's just even the FBI chiefly yeah. is like so good. Like when Ugh. she pulls out that gun and kills the that other guy. That was wild, man. Yeah, and she's like, she's but like my house? Again, yeah, my house. I thought yeah. they were gonna kill the FBI guy, but she then kills. Yeah, and then just like how like how well she did at like that like perfect pivot. Yeah, and I'm just like trying to like catch up with what's going on and the way that she like dealt with it as like as a FBI chief almost would be, where she's like trying to manage all these little things. Yeah. And he had to go and screw it up. And if he had just done what she had been trying to manage, he yeah. wouldn't have gotten it, had to be involved <laughs> and all this stuff. And she's like, I've been trying to protect you. And now I just had to kill that guy yeah. to protect you. Well, and, and to find out, they're like, didn't she, like, one of her kids got killed. Yeah. They? Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, Fisk had killed her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Because she had, she had two kids. And that was the whole thing. And like, why are you doing it? Like, he was almost like being like, I'm, I'm ashamed of you. And she was like, I had two kids. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is, once again, talking about, like, setups and then, like, payoffs. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe that's a key component of storytelling that people just don't really appreciate or talk about enough. But, like, setups and payoffs, which is what Red Dead did. Right. Red Dead 1 and now Red Dead 2. Yeah. Um, And even, like, reverse setups and payoffs. Yeah. To where things that you didn't think really mattered in Red Dead 1 become the payoff of what happens in Red Dead 2. Yeah. Which is kind (laughs) of what we're talking about. Like, if you're going to do a sequel or a prequel set up stuff that then makes the random stuff we didn't think mattered yeah like this huge payoff yeah, yeah. enriching both stories yeah but um she mentions at one point when he's talking about his sister-in-law who had cancer or whatever uh that she understood what he was going through because she had lost a kid yeah wow and so then later you're like she's like you know, like I had, or no, she's talking about, no, I remember what it is. He's talking about his son mm-hmm. not understanding the job. And she's like, I have to talk to my daughter about the job. And so she's like talking about her kids. Yeah. And then later you find out oh, I had two kids. Yeah. One of them's dead. So it's just like, it's just, man, it's just like, it was just constantly, I mean, solid acting, really yeah. like good acting, really good storyline, really good script, really good lines, all this stuff with um, him and his the the head nun you yeah. find out is his mom yeah and even like some of the cheesy reveals that you would imagine that like they had some stuff in there that like the flash or arrow would have like right. the nun he's been talking to this whole time happens to be also his mom what you know but they handled it so well to where it never felt like cheesy right felt very real yeah yeah, yeah. and then um i was just blown away by two of the topics that they're covering like they're top they're covering like i mean you know he's he's catholic and so he's regularly going to the priest in the first two seasons. Now he's going to the nun. He's actually living in the basement of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, from the very get-go, he's like wrestling with his faith and with God and the problem of evil mm-hmm. and how does God let good things, bad things happen, you know? And um, and like watching him like struggle and deal with that, I'm like, this is better than any yeah. like faith-based movie or TV show yeah. or whatever. You yeah. know, it's like, this is... This is like C.S. Lewis screw tape letter type <laughs> storytelling yeah, yeah. here. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to tell a story about the problem of evil yeah. and how a good God can let bad things happen yeah. to good people. But we're going to do it 
through a Marvel superhero <laughs> story. But then even outside of that stuff, and I never felt like they were uh, preachy about it. Yeah. You know, it was like very subtle. Like if you didn't, you know, I'm sure tons of people watched it that aren't Christians or aren't yeah. Catholics. Um, so it's like so well done to where it doesn't alienate anybody, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of faith-based stuff does. Uh, but then they also talked about postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. They talk about drug addiction. They talk about, um, you know, like they show all these different people grieving with loss mm-hmm. and how they grieve with like deaths and loss, um, you know, uh, kind of sticking to your like principles and morals and values. Yeah. Um, even like uh, mental health. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Mental health is a big one, yeah. Like they're just like covering all these topics yeah. in a way that like you never realize that they're actually talking about them. And like, because I was like so enamored by it i mm-hmm. was paying attention to what they're talking about and i'm like everything they're saying is actually really good yeah like they're not just like bringing up these topics for the sake of of being like uh what else can we throw out there yeah or even being like on topic yeah. you know oh, this is currently trending so yeah. let's talk about it it's like no they're talking about it in a way that is like good for like the national conversation yeah you know it's like you're making a bunch of comic book nerds they're most likely men think and feel empathetically about postpartum <laughs> depression you yeah. know and it's like you could never get a bunch of those guys that are probably watching yeah. this show daredevil to talk or think about postpartum depression <laughs> but now when their wives have postpartum depression yeah one day they're gonna be like ah, hey i understand how this goes that nun <laughs> you know from daredevil <laughs> you know and even if it's just subconscious you well not but you know even if it's just subconscious yeah. that they're like oh this is a real issue yeah yeah you yeah know? instead of being like what's wrong with you yeah why are you depressed yeah we've been trying to have this baby for two years and yeah. now that's finally here you're depressed i don't yeah. understand you know and it's like they're like oh this is a real thing maybe i should find her like somebody to talk to or some right. help or maybe she needs to maybe have, she needs to become a nun hey <laughs> maybe she needs to become a nun <laughs> maybe she needs jesus <laughs> she needs jesus <laughs> but uh you know i was just um i was just so impressed like yeah. you know and when i think about the kind of um you know and this ties in i think with you know when with my grandpa passing away and he you know he passed away from the recording he passed away yesterday but uh he's been sick in the hospital for a week and as you're around somebody who's dying it makes you think a lot about the fact that the like passing away yourself one day isn't as far away as you think it would be. Yeah. You know, I think me and Helen were talking about the fact that, you know, when something, when you think about death or you think about like one day we're all going to have to stand in front of God and account for what we did, you know, and whether your theology is more of like a judgment day type thing, or your theology is more of a, the master gave three people talents, Mm -hmm. two to this guy, one or five to this guy, two to that guy and one to this guy, you know, and then he comes back and says, what did you do with the talents I gave you? Yeah. And the one guy who buried it in the sand, he took that talent away and gave it to somebody else. Yeah. You know, even if it's just as simple as God being like, hey, I gave you something to work with. I put you in the richest, most profitable, most freedom, opportunity-filled country in the world, and what did you do with it? Yeah. You know? And um, and so uh, as I think about that, you know, and even what we do and why we would make content and why we would, why we are in the field that we're in, you know, is when you think about um, something like Daredevil and the fact that they were able to cover topics that, like, a lot of Christians would want to cover. Yeah. You know, or a lot of pastors would want to talk about, or a lot of ministries exist to help people yeah. talk about them, you know. Um, and uh, and it's like, uh, I think both of us would feel that we don't have any desire to make, like, the cheesy, preachy-type content. Right. Unless we're actually preaching, you know. Uh, And so watching something like Daredevil, it's like, man, that's the kind of content I'd like to make, you know, or that's the way I'd like to do it. And and even in the same way with Red Dead, it's like they bring up aspects of, like, you know, decisions have consequences. Like, that was another thing with um, Daredevil, I felt like, too. You know, decisions have consequences. But especially, like, even in Red Dead, you know, we're even seeing that some of the decisions that John is making has consequences in the next game, you mm-hmm. know, like almost to a certain degree, like when he died in the first game at the very end, I was like annoyed. I was I, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like I just did all this stuff for these lawmen and they kill me. Yeah. But the Pinkertons, the lawmen are the bad guys in the new game yeah. that are chasing you all over the place. And you see as John's a part of the gang that just constantly like hits the hornet's nest. Yeah. Like they just won't leave it alone. Yeah. You know, like they just, 
Instead of like retreating or running away or trying to lay low, they go and kill people. They burn down houses. They <laughs> rob banks in the major cities. Yeah. Eventually, they kill the guy that hired the Pinkerton. Yeah. You know, and so then you're like, they were never gonna let John yeah. go. You know. Yeah. And so it's like, but that's because of the decisions that John made earlier in his yeah. life. That like, yeah, you came clean, but there's no way you're gonna, you know. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I think, um, I think that. The, both of those stories like inspired me in a way of especially you know um, Daredevil just because it's it's you know it's filmed mm-hmm. content which is what we do we don't make video games unfortunately uh, we should have <laughs> big career ah, mistake. big money yeah but you know just finding ways to where it's like you can use stories to uh, to like make an impact, yeah, you know, really to like make a difference, you know, in the world, um, you know, and so that way, then one day, you know, when we are standing in front of, in front of God, and He's asking, "What did you do with the talents I gave you?" We have good answers, yeah, you know, and not just, um, you know, and that's something like I said, it's something I wrestle with a lot, just because of being Christian filmmakers, almost like if you were a Christian musician, a Christian who was a musician, you know, yeah. um, it's like you would feel like you had to go be Tomlin. You know, uh, Chris Tomlin, just because... That's an outdated reference. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Who's the current person? It'd be like... Bethel? Yeah, Bethel, Carly, yeah. whatever her name is, who was on Ellen, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you have know. to be a hip, cool Yeah, yeah, thing. you gotta be, you know, that's leading this praise and worship thing in, an, you know, in, a, in a football stadium. Right. And that's like, that's when you made it, you yeah. know. And not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that, if that's what you want to do. but um, But I feel like... A lot of times, like, that's the only option right. given to, like, Christian artists. You know, it's like, if you enjoy painting, you better be painting Jesus on a cross every day. <laughs> right. Otherwise, you're not really painting. Right. You know, what are you doing with your gifts, you know? And I feel like, um, you know, you see something like Daredevil, and I'm like, I don't even know if those guys are Christians or Catholic. Yeah. But, like, they made something more Christian yeah. and more faith-based and more on point with how people are actually, like, dealing with God yeah. than our own movie, yeah. That we just got done making. Yeah. That's about a pastor who goes and becomes a missionary. Right. Dealing with life and questions and doubts. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, so it's just, I, yeah, I was just really inspired by that show. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's important, like growing up, it's really interesting. There's going to be a couple things I'm going to say, but they all connect. Um, growing up, it was always like, don't question your faith, just believe what this is, you know, and seeing something like Daredevil where we question the faith and stuff like that, one of the things with cults, within a cult, however you say it, within a cult, yeah. like, I'm really obsessed with, like, Scientology, finding more about it, as you are, too, yeah, yeah. and that's, like, always the thing with Scientology is, like, don't look up anything. Like, Tom Cruise is not, I don't think, allowed to look on the internet, um, Another thing with, like, I watched this documentary about, like, uh, Orthodox Jews in, uh, in New York. Not that they're in a cult, but they, they created that society after World War II, after the Holocaust, because they were like, we can't trust anyone. They literally have their own schools. They have their own EMTs. They have their own police. And they have this kind of, like, it is spoken within the community that, like, if you call the police upon anyone else, that you are instantly like expelled because of the Gestapo and all yeah. that stuff. And then uh, Mormons and Jehovah Witness, you know, kind of hearing stories about the Mormons, how like you can't question anything in that church and all this stuff. Um, I think an essential part of our faith is to question, is to be able to like. If you're in a ship and you don't question the validity of the wear and tear out on the ocean, you're probably going to sink because you didn't actually yeah. like see how tough it is. Um, and I, I think with a lot of Christian preachy movies, it is what's the worst possible thing? I remember growing up with like the Odysseys and stuff like that. What was the worst possible thing? Well, Billy stole toys from his sister. Uh, while like kids are dealing with pornography and like yeah yeah (laughs) you know like really dark stuff yeah and this is what they're hearing and they're going oh my goodness i am too filthy and too dirty where it's like the reality is 
Christ came for the sinner. Christ came for the dirty of us. And so when we see someone like Daredevil, who is in the first season, literally being like, am I doing what's right? Like, that's his whole thing. He's like, am I, like, sinning by doing this? And Wilson Fisk is like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm the hero of the city. And then by the end of it, Daredevil's like, I am doing justice by stopping, the, you know, and justice yeah. is a part of God's plan, and yeah, that's exactly. good. Like, yeah, by stopping evil, right. I am doing good. Exactly, and Wilson Fisk is accepting the fact that he is the villain. Yeah. And so then you cut to the third season, and it's the Job story. I mean, he even talks about that, where... Daredevil is like, he's battered and bruised. My Bible. All right, I get the hint. And I get the sense things are complicated with you and the guy upstairs. <laughs> no, not at all. If anything, I'd say we finally know where we stand with each other. There is a man from the land of Uz. Book of Job. Book of Job. Story of God's perfect servant, Job. He prayed every day at dawn with his knees on the ground, his face in the dirt. Slaughtered ten goats, one for each of his children, and burned them at the altar in God's honor. Of all God's soldiers, Job, he was the most loyal. I know the story, Matthew. Oh, then you know what happens next. God murdered all ten of his children in cold blood. Scorched every inch of Job's land, lashed at his body till his skin was covered in bloody welts. God rained shit and misery on the life of his most perfect servant and still. Job and not curse him. You know what I realized? Job was a pussy. You see, that was me, sister. I suffered willingly. I gave my uh, sweat and blood and skin without complaint because I, I too believed I was God's soldier. <laughs> not only like physically impaired but he is spiritually impaired you yeah. know he's talking about how like i did all these things for god and he's just spitting upon me yeah and emotionally too he's like he's emotionally uh, he's uh uh impaired oh yeah yeah and, and it is it's like he's doing all this justice serving justice and doing what he thinks is good but then all it ends up doing is causing uh, residual right. pain for him. Yeah. And so when we see he is kind of going down this like Batman path where he's like, I'm going to do all myself. I'm going to like kill Wilson Fisk. Like he, it's the first time he really, like he always talks about like bringing him down, but he never talks about like, I'm going to murder this person. Yeah. And that, the beauty of that is you're seeing that story and you're seeing Fisk, but then you have this new character, Poindexter, come in and his whole thing is his compass is broken. And so he's, well, he's insane. He's an insane person. He kills people. Like, that's the crazy thing. So you have kind of like him paired up with Matt, Daredevil, and Matt's compass isn't broken to the point that at the end, when he has the opportunity to kill Wilson Fisk, he literally, like, screams. Like, like the reality is, like, as Christians, the right thing to do when we follow Christ is going to be countering what we truly desire to do yeah and but like we still follow because that's what we need to do and so yeah. i just love stories like that where it's yeah. like yeah ah, you know you don't get that from the christian no, you don't. it's the falling in the rain with your arms up and yeah you're you're saved moment yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> no and it's um and, and it's not like his questions were ever really answered yeah even um and i think that's another element to where like some of his doubts are sort of resolved yeah. by the end and i think he sort of like he kind of says like you know almost like i need to keep doing good and like and and like fighting evil and if it doesn't always work out the way i think it is like god has a plan and i'm okay with that yeah but it doesn't he doesn't like answer everything right and i think that's also like a good element because it's like we can't i think that's the other part like they wrap up with such perfect bows so many stories yeah you know and so many songs you know, where it's like everything's so perfect and fine at the end. Um, and that's not 
actually how it goes right you know in real life you know like you, like our documentary yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um and and that's one of the things i like about our documentary yeah that to me it's more true to life you know mm-hmm. is that like things don't go the way you think they will and you have to really just have faith you know and trust that god's gonna to me like that's what matt has in the end is he chooses faith yeah over over um I mean that's really what it is. He he chooses faith. He yeah. says I'm gonna I'm almost like I'm gonna have faith yeah. that like God has a plan. I'm gonna have faith that what I'm doing is helping. Yeah. I'm gonna have faith that like if pain is caused, that like I at least saved other people from pain. Yeah. You know that I'm gonna have faith that like this is the right thing to do, um, and uh, and I think yeah you just don't you just don't get that a lot of times you know and even after once again going back to to uh, Papa. You know, it's like, you know, as we went up there and watched him as he's like, his body is like slowly shutting down. It's like, even till your very last breath, like life is like ugly yeah, and painful and not everything's always resolved perfectly with the perfect little bow. There was nothing about my grandpa's death that was like tied up with a perfect bow. You know yeah. I mean? It's like, it was, it was definitely more this ugly wrapped up thing. And it's like, all right, there you go. There's this life, mm-hmm. you know, but the, 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 the part that's the perfect bow is later is in yeah. heaven. You yeah. know, that's the. That's the good part, you know. It's like all of this is what it is, you yeah. know. It's and you know, and that's I think where like Daredevil, like him, like constantly struggling with the reality of life, yeah, and like not being able to make like make uh make like peace with it, yeah, you know, as what um like made it like so good. And mm-hmm. once again, I was like, this is a comic book story, <laughs> you know, like yeah, like this is like like if you. If this was a true story about a missionary or somebody, this would be something that like would be being preached yeah. in the pulpit. Yeah. And it would be compelling and it would be amazing and people would love it. You know, yeah. and I'm like, and this is a comic book character <laughs> made by Marvel, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's just and even Yeah, and they just and they handled that like so delicately yeah. to where I never even felt like it became a campy Batman Robin, like pow, wow, Kazam, right. you know, or event or um or even like too much humor, like the Avengers, mm-hmm. or not that I mean I love the humor in Avengers, but I mean it can have that sort of yeah. too hu- too lighthearted side of it sometimes. Or the um, it's just not realistic. People aren't that yeah crazy funny. People yeah. are the Matt Murdock where he's stumbling, yeah, and I mean, falling asleep in the and cab. even the other characters yeah. like you know um, uh, Karen's like backstory, yeah. like finding out about like her mom dying, yeah, and her dad having this rundown. Uh, uh, diner that's named after this mom and the mom always wanted to leave town you know and it's like and then like she getting into drugs because she yeah. like hooks up and like starts dating the the drug dealer in town but he's the only guy that like really kind of like listens to her and talks to her you know but then he basically ends up killing them yeah. or killing her brother like i mean because like, he attacks well, she kills him. well but it's because like he yeah. comes with the baseball bat yeah like if they had just talked it out yeah they wouldn't have driven away crazy when right. she's high yeah you know uh you know and once again even con- decisions have consequences like her decision to not work it out with her family yeah and instead run into the arms of a drug dealer like just drug dealer loser i mean he's not like a big drug dealer not yeah. like not like narcos drug right, dealer right. but just like the local guy college yeah yeah uh, you know, it's like her decision to do that then ended up leading to her brother dying, yeah. you know, or even her decision to like get angry with her dad and run off as opposed to like, you know, you're like, oh, Karen, if you just, and you feel that pain in yeah. her and you felt that pain throughout the whole first two seasons with her, but yeah. we just never knew why. Yeah. Well, and know. the crazy thing was, uh, do you remember when, like before we get her backstory, she's crying because the, um. I think the attack on the newspaper just happened, and yeah. she calls her dad. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, that's what you do," and like Ali and I looked at each other and we we're just like, "What? Like, well, that's such a mean thing to say." Yeah, and then you find out that like he like hates her because that's what she does. She leaves death in her wake essentially, yeah. and yeah. it's just like, "Whoa!" Like, yeah, going back to your papa, um, you know, I think there's a reason why the Bible talks about you know run the good race. Like, no person at the end of a race is like, "I'm good." Yeah, you know, like yeah. they're like crapping their pants, like yeah, you know, they're like exhausted. They're, they're, they're exhausted, they're they're just beat up, and I think that's why like those movies that have that reality. Like yeah. I cry at Les Mis every single time because Jean Valjean's this character who he starts out 
in prison because he stole a loaf of bread for his starving nephew. So he's in prison for that. And then he escapes. He makes it out, but he, like, saves some people's, you know, saves some people's lives. Goes to prison. His whole thing um, steals, steals some stuff from the priest. They catch him. And then the priest says, well, you forgot the candlesticks. Shows him grace. So Jean Valjean becomes a Christian, becomes this great business owner. But because of a lady under his care dying, he chooses to raise the lady's yeah. life. The whole John Valjean's whole story is he is on the run constantly. Like yeah. he is looking for grace. He is looking for freedom. He is always wrongfully accused for things. And so at the very end, after he has saved his daughter's fiance, like he is literally like desolate and he's alone. Like he's dying alone. And like that's like the scene in the musical is um, Cassette, um, she comes and like finds her father, and then her mother comes in, and one of the lines is, Come with me, but chains oh. will never bind you. Oh, I am ready for For your grief is lost, lost behind you. In heaven, look down on him in mercy. Forgive me all my trespasses and take me to your glory. And yeah. it's, you know, like he's finally getting that freedom yeah. from death. And, and that's the whole point of the song. And um, that's ultimately what we all want. You know, your papa is now. Yeah in a place where chains will never bind him, where he yeah. will never have to experience that pain yeah. again. And and I think we just don't see that in Christian movies. We see it where it's like, your chains will be unbound now. When people become Christians and bad things happen to them, they go, why? It's like, no, that's the whole point. You become a Christian to carry your cross. Like our Savior literally yeah. <laughs> died on the cross in the most brutal, horrible way to be like, this is what's going to happen. This is life. I am here to show you that like, everyone's gonna suffer in the end but like if you choose my path you will eventually become a better place and yeah. that hope and that that restoration for someplace beyond here yeah and 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 to see the struggle of christians catholic or whatever as a fictional super hero character lay down his life lay down what his desires his wants and he is, by every right, you know, that's the thing with all these movies. You see, like, Equalizer, Taken, all these different stuff, where it's like, this guy's wrong, then he goes and kills everyone. And you're like, yeah! Like, I love kind of my Christo, but that's one of the things, is at the end, he's like, I have now chosen forgiveness. And it's like, but you just killed everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. everyone in your life is dead. to forgive everybody <laughs> when the people you needed to forgive are all dead. Exactly. It's like, as Christians, like, we are supposed to, like, yeah, not, not take the guy at the end as much as we want to yeah, you know i mean and as much as like even like everything that daredevil is saying is right and like yeah. and then that's the thing a lot of everybody pretty much even his mom the nun yeah uh even the priest a little bit you know he never officially comes out and says it but he basically doesn't say <laughs> don't do it you know everybody but foggy yeah <laughs> says you should totally kill fisk yeah <laughs> fisk is bad and the only way that we're gonna stop this is by killing him yeah um and once again it's like they don't really ever they don't really ever try to even answer like that big picture question. Right. Like, if you could kill Hitler when he was a baby, yeah. would that be good? Right. Save all those people. And it's like, they don't ever answer that question. And I like the fact that they don't answer yeah. that question. Because to be honest, it's like, how who can ever answer that question? Nobody no. can really no. answer yeah. whether that is a right thing or wrong thing to do. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, in theory, we would all say, yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah. You know? But, you know, in the world of grace and forgiveness and, you know, like, there's definitely some people that would say no, you know. Yeah. So I like the fact that they don't answer that question. They, the question that answers that for Matt, for Daredevil, yeah, the the answer is no. Yeah. He can't kill Fisk, yeah, because it's like for him, like that goes against who he is as a person. That's who that goes against who he is as Matt Murdock. Yeah. I will never stop hunting Kurt. Or Foggy knows. I will tell the world who you really are. Listen, 
Vanessa, please go! Please! You... You want me to kill you? No person can keep me. You know that. Come on! Kill me! No! God knows I want you. But you don't get to destroy who I am. You will go back to prison. And you will live the rest of your miserable life in a cage, knowing you'll never have, Vanessa, that this city rejected you. It beat you. I beat you. And I love that because he knows that if he kills him, then he, like, becomes the monster. Yeah. I think when I think about, like, to summarize all those, you know, whether it's Red Dead or, or you know, um, Daredevil or just even kind of, like, sitting at a point where, you know, uh, looking back on my grandpa's life and just even, like, what that looks like and even just, like, that passage, that thing that we all know we're going to do but we don't ever really think about it that yeah. much, we're all going to die. It's the one thing that we can count on. Um, but we don't think about what that looks like how you can then like put all that together to make really compelling stories and really compelling content that actually say something, yeah, you know, and actually add to the conversation that's out there and, you know, potentially inspire people, impact people, uh, you know, change people's thoughts and perspectives on it. Even if it's once again, something like when they said that she had, postpartum depression yeah like that to me i was like this is so this is wild this is wild that this yeah. is in a freaking netflix marvel <laughs> show you know that it's just like and, and it was such a small little thing yeah totally like made sense for her yeah. storyline what they're building up for you know but i'm like what kind of impact is that going to have yeah for all the people who just watched that yeah you know i guarantee you that the majority of that audience is not women yeah you know <laughs> so <laughs> so it's you know like what better way to tell yeah. a bunch of guys about postpartum depression you know yeah. and they'll never think about it again yeah. even when they encounter postpartum depression in their life they're not going to think about daredevil yeah but they are forever their mind has forever been impacted yeah. by that one little element and that was like a very small part of the entire show very small um you know and so i think it once again like i think as as storytellers like surrounding ourselves, which is hard, mm -hmm. uh, just because there's not always a lot of it. But surrounding ourselves with good stories that that not only are like good from a storytelling perspective, like Red Dead is, yeah. where it's like it's just like really well done, yeah. well made, but then also like say something at the same time, like Daredevil does. So that way, then one day when we pass away and we're standing in front of God saying, "This is what I did with the talents you gave me," we have something to actually answer with, yeah, versus. You know, well, I made some funny Transformer movies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, or I made, you know, I made this action thing or I made this random yeah. sitcom TV show, you know? It's like, um, because you can make good content that everybody wants. Red Dead yeah. made like $750 million in the first weekend or whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know, that everybody wants. But that also is like a really good story yeah. that people in the Wall Street Journals and New York Times are saying like this video game is art is is art <laughs> and better art than movies yeah, yeah. you know uh, and yet it is also then so it's like good storytelling that people want that people yeah. want to buy it's a blockbuster hit yeah. but then on top of that it also then is like saying something about life yeah and you don't know what it means to be a human and especially like that relationship between like humans and God. Mm -hmm. You know, and and what our where our life is all going, and the impact of that. So there you go. Yeah, it's good stuff. This is our spoiler alert <laughs> episode. So if you need something for the weekend, go check out uh, Daredevil. Yeah, and uh, maybe pick up a Red Dead. Well, Ryan, as always, it's been a pleasure, and uh, just want to say that I have fond memories of your papa, and. Uh, I mean, from when we began, just editing the ballets and him walking back and forth yeah, in front, front of, of your me. TV, uh, <laughs> um, or 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 talking with him, and he would just he would go on for a long time talking, <laughs> and then you would try and input something, but he was at the age where like you don't you don't receive, you just yeah, pour exactly. out, you know. Exactly. And uh, his he, cup was full. He had to his, just shared the knowledge. His cup know? was full. He's one of the kindest, sweetest men. And uh, well, I think never about... would guess he was related to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just remember um, us doing the um, the the shooting. Yeah, the Call of Duty. The Call of Duty. I forgot that he was video. in that. Yeah, which we never finished. We should definitely finish now yeah, that he's out of honor of him. But um, but yeah, he you know in in the game we we're 
in the video we were spoofing playing Call of Duty or any yeah. first person shooter game with your friend online, and we have the split screen thing, and um, uh, like one of us is doing really bad, one of us is doing really good, and it's like all the funny stuff that happens in those games all the time. And at the very end, this random guy pops into our our like online session almost that we're supposedly having, and it starts like killing everybody. <laughs> and then around the corner comes Papa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember telling my mom that I wanted to do that. And she was like, you want Papa to come down? And like, and are you sure that you would want to do that? You know, and it's like, and is, are you sure you even want him? Like, is he going to do a good job? And I was like, yeah, Mom, like, don't worry about it. He'll do great. And he did. He, he came nailed down. it. Yeah, he was super funny. Yeah. I remember trying to, like, tell him lines and, like, acting, like, give him, like, almost, like, kind of, like, baby him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I mean, he's an older guy. He was in his <laughs> 80s, probably, when we did this. Late 80s. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, and almost, like, shut me up. And then he like came around and did his thing yeah. and was like had the big grin on his face. So um, it was cold. It was really cold that day. Yeah, he it came was. Out. Yeah. So I mean, he he was always like a good sport like that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just a good grandpa across the board. All right. Well, we will uh, see you guys next week, um, and we hope that you enjoyed. Leave a comment on our Facebook, BrainRedStudios.com, um, and give us your thoughts about daredevil season three if you liked it or not yeah subscribe rate us tell a friend we'll see you guys next week bye this has been a studio red production for more go to studioredmedia.com